My goal every day is to read something from the Bible and try to learn something new. I've been doing this um, since 2019 and I've learned quite a bit, but every time I learn something, I realize how much more I really don't know with every new part. So today, I uh, periodically, the way I do this is I randomly open up the Bible to a page. Sometimes I'll say a prayer and ask God to show me something in the Bible. And there have been many, many, many times where it has been specifically answered by the scripture that I read. And because that happened, it encouraged me to do it more often because it was, um, it was not always something that I wanted to hear, but it was something that really, if you want to call it, spoke to me. And so I felt like this is God communicating. Um, this is the living word. That's what it's called. It is, it's supernatural, the Bible is. And the more someone studies it, the more you will understand that. I was not one to ever have, I, I didn't read the Bible until 2019. So this is all fairly new to me. But it's amazing when you get into it, and I never thought it would be this way, or that I would be a person who reads the Bible. But anyway, today I opened up to Ezekiel. Um, I don't remember what chapter it was, but when I opened it up, it was a description, very, very, very detailed about everything inside of a new temple. And so when I read it at first, I looked at it and I thought, oh boy, what am I going to do with this? This is like description of a temple, and what does that mean to me today? And I, um, that was my initial reaction, and so I just kept reading it to see if there's more, and then I kind of went back some pages. I think it was before, or it was after chapter 40, but I went back to chapter 40, and then when I read chapter 40, all the way through the end of the book, there were so many things to learn from today. And so I'm sharing that with you today. I did um, a post on Instagram, a very quick reel um, that I mentioned I would do this podcast because in under a minute, there's no way that you can cover everything that I learned today and that I saw. Um, maybe I've read it before, but it didn't click with me until today. So I'm going to cover all of that. And um, I guess let's just get started. So in chapter 40, um, this is Ezekiel is uh, has a vision and he's a prophet and he's had other visions, many visions about the future. And in this vision, I'm just going to read the scripture. In visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city. Well, I thought that was kind of interesting because um, God always talks about Zion and that's the new city, the new Jerusalem. And everywhere in the Bible, it's talked about the Jerusalem land and that God will have his temple there and that will be his land forever. And so that's just throughout everywhere in the Bible. So when I read this, I thought it was kind of interesting because um, Ezekiel is seeing a high place that looks down over a city. And I'm wondering, back in Eze Ezekiel's time, which was B.C., 
then how big of a city was it? Or was he envisioning something of what we have today or in the future? And after reading all of this, I feel like it is in our future. And I don't know how far off into the future, but it definitely made me get that understanding. So um, the there's so many chapters. Okay, the other thing is the purpose. Like, why is Ezekiel going to get this vision from God, and what is the purpose of it? Well, it tells you that right in uh, chapter 40, verse 4. The man said to me, Son of man, look carefully and listen closely and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why you have been brought here. Tell the people of Israel everything you see. So Ezekiel was called to God as a messenger so that he could report all this to Israel so that somehow it would be documented and people would know this is what God wants. And this makes all the sense in the world now when you think about what's happening today. So chapter 40 goes through the east gate to the outer court, the outer court, the north north gate, the south gate, the gates to the inner court, the rooms for preparing sacrifices, the rooms for the priest, and then talks about the new temple. And what was interesting in this um, study guide that I have, um, it mentions about the different temples and the different beliefs that people have about what whose temple is it. And I'll just read you from my study guide because it was kind of something that I learned too. People disagree about the significance of these chapters. Some insist that it's a description of Solomon's temple. There are, however, a number of important differences between this temple and Solomon's. Consequently, others suggest that these are plans for the temple Ezekiel intended the exiles to build when they returned to Jerusalem. Still others say that Ezekiel was a prophet, not an architect. These chapters should be interpreted in a symbolic manner. Those holding this view see these chapters as fulfilled figuratively in the church or in a future messianic age. In the former case, the temple predicts the blessings of God that God has for the church. In the latter case, the perfect symmetry of this temple impresses symbolically the perfection of God's plan for his restored people. And there are still others who expect a future literal fulfillment of this prophecy when Christ returns to set up his messianic kingdom. Some object to this interpretation, saying that to reinstate the Old Testament sacrifices seems contrary to the New Testament. Those who look for a literal temple in the messianic age, however, see its ceremonies simply as memorials of the Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection. After I read that, I, I actually thought about that too. And personally, I believe there's going to be a literal third temple. And I believe that for various reasons that I will mention as I go through this also later on. But I guess, first of all, about the sacrifices. This is something that just the other day I read, it was in Joshua. And it was really interesting because Joshua had, um, it was a post I made on Instagram. I have a faith account and it's called um, Faith FSH. It's like faith fish, but there's no I, um, but it's faith, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what that stands for. 
but that's if you want to find it on Instagram. I post daily uh, whatever I'm reading in scripture or just some kind of verses and it's very random. But anyway, getting back to the sacrifices in Joshua, what I read the other day, it was really interesting because in Joshua, the post I did yesterday was he was down on his hands and knees praying to God because his army was defeated. And his army was defeated because they did not obey God. And so God was not with them. And then God told them, told Joshua, remove whoever is disobedient within your group, basically. And and then I will be with you. But I'm not going to be with you until you get rid of the people, the person, whoever who is sinning. And which sinning is doing anything that goes against what God wants. And so it turned out that it was Achan that was in the group who had been doing this. And it's pretty terrible, but he and his family and all of his possessions were annihilated, basically. He was removed. And that's extremely harsh, but that shows how strongly the Israelites that were there understood the power of God and had the fear of God. When God is talking to somebody and tells somebody this, and this is a, you know, this is the follow, uh, I guess he was a follower to Moses. Uh, he was the next appointed leader. Joshua was. Um, there's certainly uh, obedience that people are going to want to have to stay on God's good terms when you see what God can do. And they did have the experience of seeing God's help and if for disobedience um, that he does discipline. So there, that's what that fear is. Anyway, um, in the next chapter, it says God will be with them. And then God tells them that they can go ahead and take whatever they want from the next city that they go to capture. And that was really ironic because the whole reason why Akon was annihilated his family and everything is because he took possessions and things from a city that they had captured. So this is the exact same thing happening to in the same situation where the Israelites are taking something from a city that they're fighting against and they're, you know, plundering what they get. The same same exact thing, but the second time God says, it's okay to do that and I'm not going to punish you for it. So it's not about the taking of things, but it's about listening to God because God told them the first time not to take anything. There's another example with Saul that's the same thing, that he told Saul to get rid of everybody, but then everything from the city, but then Saul kept the, um, or it was Samuel, I think it was Samuel, I don't know, um, or Saul, one of those two. Uh, anyway, he kept some of the choice, um, the best of the, the best things of the city that they uh, took things from. So it, it really becomes clear that obedience is critical to God. And he can tell you the same thing, but one time he can say, don't do it. And another time he can say, yeah, you can do it. And it's the fact that you have to listen to him. And so anyway, let's talk about the sacrifices. A lot of Christians, we can learn so much from the Jewish faith, and I think vice versa, because 
um, the Jewish people know about obedience to God and what it means and how they're supposed to live and be obedient to God. Not saying that all Jewish people do, just like all Christians don't follow Jesus like they should. But there is a lot that we can learn from both parties. In fact, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but this is also important too. Um, There's a lot of Christianity that I just learned recently about Jesus and where he was born in Bethlehem and and just the vision that we have because of everything that we see through media about Jesus' birth. We picture a stable, we picture this wooden stable, and we picture all these animals around him, these cows and sheep and everything. And um, But when I was in studying from a rabbi um, through the study session that I had, um, they were talking about back in the time of Jesus and that it was more than likely in a cave where he stayed. And there's a lot of symbolism too that happened too. Jesus, they was, it was said that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Well, back in that time, and I think still today, the sheep are, the lambs would be, after their birth, they would be wrapped in cloth so that they would not be blemished because unblemished animals were needed for sacrifices back in that time. And so there's a lot of symbolism because Jesus became the sacrifice and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and then the lambs, and when they were born, they were wrapped in cloth to keep them unblemished. So there's a lot of symbolism, but oftentimes the shepherds would take the lambs up to, or they would take the sheep up to the caves to protect them so they'd have shelter where they could birth these animals and they could keep them kind of contained. And so that was really interesting to just think about what we learned today and how much of it may or may not be true. What's in the Bible is true, but what we get taught through our churches sometimes gets a little bit modernized or, um, it might be stretched a little bit from what's in the Bible. So it's really important to know what is in the Bible. Okay, getting back to the sacrifices. A lot of Christians will say that um, if a third temple gets built, there wouldn't be no need for sacrifices. Well, yes, because Jesus was a sacrifice, so there are no need for sacrifice. But if you're of Jewish faith, you haven't accepted Jesus as the Savior, so then there are sacrifices that are needed and they are clearly stated. Now this is really where it gets interesting and I haven't heard this perspective before, but this came up in my thoughts as I was reading this. In this description of this future temple that Ezekiel talks about, um, I did go back to the prior temples. So Solomon's temple was a certain size and that's on my post on Instagram. And then the second temple um, during the reign of King Cyrus was a different size. It was taller than Solomon's temple and it wasn't as grandiose as Solomon's temple. And then this third temple that's discussed in Ezekiel doesn't even match the dimensions of the others. And there are differences, just like we read, there are differences. I wanted to see what those differences were. And so I looked and one of the things was the size. There are some similarities in the description of it too. Um, for 
King Solomon's temple that was built, um, the interiors and so forth. There are some similarities. But I truly think there will be a future temple because Ezekiel was a prophet. The Bible is always true. The Bible always talks about what will happen and it never fails. All the prophecies that it speaks of have happened or will happen. Well, this temple hasn't been built yet. So yes, I believe it will be built in the future. And if you look at this book and you look at these chapters, there are such, it is so descriptive. There is, like I said, when I first turned to this chapter, I was just like, okay, great. What am I going to do from this? Because all it was was about so many cubits by so many cubits and then this design and that design. And and it just, to me, it, it was meaningless, but it's not meaningless. There's nothing in the Bible that's meaningless. Um, it is all for a purpose. And I believe this is for a future temple and this will be built and the Jewish people will build this temple. And so... Anyway, as there are just so many chapters that are dedicated to very, very, very detailed descriptions. And why would God talk to Ezekiel and say, write this down, make sure my people know, those are the Israelites, the Jewish people, make sure they know. And then you think about what I was talking about in Joshua, same thing, God may want them to follow, to be obedient to what he said. And if you look at the Temple Institute, which is in Israel, and they are an organization that is funding the Third Temple, they're collecting things, they're getting it ready, they have plans prepared, they have interior uh, furnishings for the Temple, and they are working on that and they're collecting donations from people who want to support their efforts. But if you look at the Bible, it's not so much that, well, this will be wrong from a Christian perspective because Jesus is the sacrifice, but we also have to think, what did God say? And even if, even though Jesus is the sacrifice for all of us, God did say to the Israelites to build this temple. So what are you going to say? Well, yeah, you said that, but now since Jesus is here, I guess we just don't worry about that anymore. I don't know that I would believe that because I think if God tells somebody something, it's it's in the Bible. I think it has to be fulfilled. And I do think this will be forthcoming. So plus there's so much more. So what's, what's more in this? Um, when I got to chapter 41, I noticed that Revelation 15.8 also talks about the temple during God's wrath. So it says that um, no one can enter in or out of the temple during God's wrath. Well, God's wrath is at the very end of time. And so the temple does exist at that point. So it's, it is specified in Revelation. And then um, during the time of God's wrath. So turn to that and look at that if you want to check this out for yourself. And then also when in chapter 41 of Ezekiel, he said to me, this is the most holy place. Well, if we think about when have we heard about the most holy place before, we've heard about that in Daniel chapter 9, 27, and it had to do with 
the Antichrist. It's not listed in the Bible as the Antichrist, but this is the one who is against God. And he sets up something in the temple, which is called the abomination of desolation. So there is a temple present to have this thing set up. And then in Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus talks about the holy place of the temple, and he's talking about the um, the stopping of sacrifices. Well, you have to have a temple if you're going to stop the sacrifices. Then um, there's a lot of description and similarities between Ezekiel's temple and Solomon. It's decorated with cherubim in it. There's wood that's used. Um, there are, it's just really interesting from that perspective. When you get to chapter 43, it talks about, um, this is interesting. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the visions I had seen by the Kibar River, and I fell face down. That's another interesting point, that um, in Revelation it talks about Jesus talking like his voice sounded like rushing water, and Ezekiel is hearing the same thing in his vision. It also talks about um, God whenever he's present about this extreme brightness that is just people can't look at it because it, it's so beautiful, glorious, radiant. Um, they just can't face it. Um, what's really interesting too is that in Ezekiel 43:7, he said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. God has always said Jerusalem will be his home and he will be with everyone forever. Forever is eternity. If you go to Revelation uh, chapter 22, I believe, maybe 21 and 22, it really talks about the new heaven, the new earth. It talks about God living with his people. There's, an all, there's also a time in Revelation um, called the millennium or the thousand, the thousand years that Jesus reigns here on earth. And from reading all of this, I really feel like this is a temple that will be built before Jesus returns. There will be sacrifices that happen. They will, the Antichrist um, will cause them to stop but it's just you're going back to bc writings of ezekiel the prophet which are supporting things that were written about 90 a.d in revelation and it's really interesting so um that's at chapter 43 there were so many things that um there that was listed in here there was one that you know it does talk about so chapter 43 talks about the sacrifices. It's um, at the altar. It It's verses 18 through 27. It talks about all the sacrifices that would be made. 
And then um, this is another interesting part. You know, all of this battling that we have going on in the Middle East, it's all about the land and it's all about who has rights to the land. And check out Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 12. This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on the on top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. So it's just, there's so much that ties in with everything that's going on today. And it talks about who is going to be serving there. And it talks about the future land and how the land will be divided up among the original 12 tribes of of the Israelites. And then um, there, there's just so much in here, and I'm running out of time for this um, podcast. But the other part is um, chapter 47. I'm going to read the first line here. Um, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out the north gate and led me around to the outside, the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. Then he goes and talks about how the river gets steeper, and then he can't go that far, but then it says the water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live where the water flows. There will be large number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. And then it goes on further. And it says also there will be um, trees along there. The fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. That's also in Revelation 22 verse 2. I also noticed that um, the river is talked about in Psalms 46, verse 4. And then also about the, the river coming out from under the temple is listed in Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. So there's all of this overlap about the future and about the city. And it does say in here, in Ezekiel's temple that the eastern gate will not it's going to be closed it won't be open to any people and there's only the the prince who can go in and out of that gate and it also talked about God coming from that gate so then when you get into revelation in verse in chapter 22 it talks about there is no temple in the new heaven and the new earth because God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. It says, here it is, it's Revelation 21, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So all of that, that's at the very, very end of, you know, the future eternity. So between now and then, I believe there will be a temple and it will it will be around when God's wrath happens 
and then God will destroy everything and make a whole new earth and a new heaven, uh, which is talked about in Revelation. But these are excerpts from the Bible that support the belief that I have in the verses that I found today. So I thought it was really interesting and just wanted to share it with you. If you have any um, questions, you can contact me. And if you have any suggestions for other things to cover, I love studying and learning more and trying to understand this Bible. There's always something new to learn. And like I said, I didn't realize that Ezekiel described the third temple. And I didn't, I thought it would probably happen because um, of the different verses like in Daniel and Matthew Daniel 9 chapter 20 or verse 27 and then Matthew chapter 24 and then of course Revelation so all of those books plus Ezekiel uh, they all kind of say the same thing and they all kind of put things into perspective and into a timeline although we don't know exactly when it's going to be but I hope you enjoyed this I hope you learned something from it and look forward to the next podcast I'll put links in the description for other ways to connect. Thank you. Bye.